Hey, y'all, I want you to check out Brooklyn Games. Go to patreon.com backslash Brooklyn Games. It's like a monthly zine subscription. Each issue is chock full of imaginative, useful information you will use at your table. Go to patreon.com backslash Brooklyn Games for a new issue in your mailbox or inbox every month. Welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I am your host, Logar the Barbarian, and I'm joined today by my guest, Taylor Ceranic. She's the she's of Vivid Worlds, and you have a you have a something on Kickstarter right now, correct? Yeah, I do. Thanks. Um, I'm I haven't really just like landed on a job title. I guess I'm <laughs> I, I'm I'm CEO. I'm I'm content writer, and now for the first time with this Kickstarter, game designer. Well, <laughs> for the the first time professionally, anyway. I've made a bunch of them casually, and then this one, it turns out, was really really good. Um, <laughs> good. That's good to hear. So it's called Coven Ants. Yeah, Covenants, a, a very witty portmanteau of the words coven and aunts, because it's about aunts who also happen to be witches. It's it's all very clever and very funny. So what can you tell us about it? Covenants is like, uh, I would call it like an improv heavy rules like game. Uh, nice. It is, it exists as a sister. It's on the end, the like improv, maybe some dice rolling end of <laughs> games, which is where I tend to run mine. So that's how I ended up coming up with the system. Um, it's a 2D6 system um, using the sort of Power by the Apocalypse, um, what's the word, incremental success yes. mechanics. So six and under you fail and everything goes horribly wrong and it's all your oh. fault. Seven to nine, things go sort of right, but either like your magic goes wrong or your um, family intervenes because those are really the two themes of the game. And then 10 plus, you actually sort it out. But... The thing that I like about how I've designed Covenants is because character creation is entirely random and doesn't give you any stats. It doesn't give you any abilities. You've got no numbers to add to the dice rolls. Yes. At the start of each session, you are statistically incredibly likely just to be failing and causing problems the entire time. <laughs> but when you fail, you get a point of power that you can assign to either your aunt power or your magic power. And you then later spend those power points to just make things happen. No need to mess around with the dice anymore. You're just like, right, I need to get something done. So you spend some of your points and you actually sort out all the chaos that's uh, occurred over the course of the game. And this is how I've sort of balanced it to be a very one-shot focused, short campaign kind of okay. system. So start out in maximum mess and chaos and work towards having the ability to sort it all out by the end of the evening. Nice. So tell me a bit about, like, so there's a lot, like, what kind of character is your ant going to be? How are you coming up? What is it you have? And if you're not going to have stats like numbers, could you tell, speak a little bit to that when it comes to coming up with your aunt? So um, the character creation process, again, because it's designed as like a one-shot system, uh, I went with a random generation um, table system, essentially. Mm -hmm. So each player rolls 3d6 at the start of the game. There is a table 
sorry, I'm going to vamp while I get the table. Well, I'm not going to vamp. I'm going to just talk while I get the table. <laughs> <laughs> There's a table here that has ant genre, which yes, genre? Yes, that's the one. Thank you. Yeah, it's everything. All the information just went entirely out of my brain as soon as I had to talk about <laughs> it. And I needed my visual aid back. Excellent. Um, so yeah, you roll 3d6 at the start of the game, and then you consult this three-column table, art genre, which genre, and speciality. Okay, I, w- I would like to I would like to roll an ant real quick with the 3d6 and see what I come up with. Can I Absolutely do that? go for it. All yeah. right, my first six is going to be ant genre. Aunt, mm-hmm. Is it aunt or ant? <laughs> I think that's up to choice. I think that's that's a very personal decision how you pronounce that, and says a lot about your relationship with your aunts. It's aunt or Tia. Uh, you got, I, I rolled a four, which is dark. Mm-hmm. So that genre, uh, the aunt genre gives you ways to spend, gives you a way to spend your aunt power specifically. So a dark aunt ah. can spend one aunt power to get scary as hell. Ah, <laughs> I rolled a four again for my witch genre, which is green. Green. Okay. So that the, your witch genre gives you the way to spend your magic power. And a green witch can spend one magic power to make something grow. Oh, nice. And then, oh, I can't believe I just rolled triple fours. <laughs> I believe that puts you on adventure then, right? Yes, adventure. So your, speci- your specialty is the thing is an extra way of gaining power as well as just failing your rolls. Um, so an aunt whose specialty is adventure gains one power when you get up and go somewhere new. Excellent. So my... my uh, dark green adventurous aunt <laughs> yep yep that's it's kind of like a tortured ranger archetype isn't it yeah it's, and then each one so i so as i'm taking it you get those abilities according to according to where you rolled there the mm-hmm. aunt genre ability or which genre and then your specialty mm-hmm. um what what else so mechanically we're just basically doing a, the 2d6 roll high to succeed in everything it doesn't seem like too difficult of a system to pick up at all yeah i've i tried to design it to be like as easy and simple as it could possibly be uh because i know my group that i play with we get through a lot of systems we like to run a lot of like five to six uh session campaigns and we're always struggling with (laughs) the next set of rules that one of us has picked up usually off of kickstarter so i wanted to just make something where i could send what is i distilled down into like a five-page document that i sent to them the book's a little bit longer than that um (laughs) and they could just read through once and be like okay i get it and it's designed in this improvisational way. These um, abilities give you sort of a direction and a way to play your character and like someone to sort of just step into and embody uh, over the course of uh, like a nice short game. Nice. Now, what about running this game? I'm assuming there's like a dungeon master or a game master of some sort. Mm-hmm. What about the adventures that people would be expecting to run in this game? That type of thing. So, uh, again, coming back to the, um, like, sort of the core pick up and play aspect, your, your game master's going to grab another 3D6 because there's <laughs> another table. Oh, nice. <laughs> Every session, stop. well, it rec- recommended play. Obviously, you can do what you like with the rule book. Um, I can't come around to your house and stop you, I suppose. <laughs> um, every session is supposed to start on Coven Night when all the aunts get together to be their best witchy selves. So the game master will roll 3d6 and assign those to this 
next table, which has focus, venue, and vibe for the evening. Ooh. So you've got focuses like uh, doing a big ritual or having an emergency meeting uh, in venues like an apartment or a caravan or the woods. Vibes like messy, chill, unhinged. <laughs> and then that all sets the tone. The game master asks some questions to fill in like the blank details. And then you can just get straight in media rest with the um, situation as you've come up with together. Excellent. Now, Vivid, under Vivid Worlds, I, I, I have your itch page pulled up here. You have quite a few other things that you've put out. Could you give us a little uh, idea of some of the stuff that we could expect to find there? So uh, I started out the first few things I did doing these kind of micro settings, mm -hmm. like um, little sort of events or places that you could drop into a, a larger game. Um, all of them uh, system agnostic, these ones. Um, so I did the Bubblegum Rave, which was a rave that exists outside of space and time and <laughs> exists for a <laughs> secret dark purpose. Drop Dead City, which is a subterranean city populated only by undead artists. Oh. <laughs> and Daddy Devlin's Den of Delights, which is just a traveling goblin gambling den. Oh, cool. I like alliteration. I don't know if that shows. Um, <laughs> uh, but I've also done stuff like how to start cults and sacrifice people, which is a how-to guide on how to run a cult with some mechanical stuff that just like bolts onto any game you're using. So it's got rules for like starting and running a cult. And then my most overly ambitious project, which is the last one I did, Weirditch Council, which was a full sort of conversion and additions for Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition mm -hmm. to pull out the physical combat, replace it with social combat and embed it oh. in a setting, a modern setting where dark eldritch entities had overtaken a small town's local government. Oh, that's interesting. I'm curious to know more about that. <laughs> yeah, that's, it, was, it was a wild one. I really enjoyed doing it, but it was a massive overcommit. I was like, I can I can just convert. I've been playing D&D &D for years. For, for what, how long's 5th Ed been out? Because I've been playing that from the start, and I played 4th a little bit before that, and 3.5 for ages, and Pathfinder for ages in the middle there. I understand this game inside <laughs> out. How hard can it be to just change every class so it doesn't involve combat anymore? Really hard. The answer is really, really hard. <laughs> So it came out to 270 pages of rules and setting information that took me, I think, three or four months to write. That's impressive. That's an impressive sized book there. I'd like to know that like you maybe briefly kind of started to answer what I want to ask next, but I like to ask folks where they got their start and what their gaming history is like, what they've been into, and how did they go from that to putting out a game, writing their own stuff and putting it out into the world? So I started, I think, uh, I, I, I say I think, I have such a, a particularly <laughs> vivid memory in my brain of when it was some family holiday where my parents had taken us to this like holiday park in the middle of the woods because we have those all over the place uh, here in Britain. Um, just in the middle of the forest and like walking to the clubhouse there to go and see whatever the evening's entertainment was. And my dad started had started talking to me about Dungeons and Dragons and... <laughs> literally from his first descriptions of like playing AD&D with little cardboard cutouts and all, all the scenery that his friend would build out of like polystyrene and stuff. Uh, I was immediately hooked, demanded that he give me all the books as soon as we got home. I did not enjoy the next two weeks of that holiday because I just wanted to get home and read these books. And <laughs> as soon as I did, literally never looked back. Um, nice. I've been running games since I was like 14 with very little break. 
Progressing through 3.5, fourth edition came out, was very angry about that. I was a teenager, <laughs> so, you know, like a, a, a high degree of anger to have about that. Much more chill about it now. I had some very interesting <laughs> ideas. Fifth edition, obviously, played that for played that for a while. And then started, after what, 10 years of like the gateway drug of D&D, started getting interested about other systems through my friends being like, hey, we're going to play this. Why don't you come and play this uh, Dresden Files fake <laughs> game uh, that I'm running? Um, and I did and just started to get interested in other games started picked up a couple of power by the apocalypse games honestly I was like oh this I can stop looking up rules in books all the time and just like (laughs) make stuff up which is honestly my forte I'm much more (laughs) yeah I'm much better at the storytelling and making things up aspect than I am holding all the facts in my brain (laughs) aspect I can appreciate that. I definitely, I definitely go better when I just have to go on the fly sometimes. Um, yeah. I, I make little, uh, little bullet point notes to try to remember things and keep that on my, yeah. on my scratch paper, but nobody else will be able to make sense of it. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I ran an entire six months of a campaign once off of a 12 point bullet point list. I just had the players in a hall of mirrors. I had 12 bullet points as to what was behind these mirror portals. And I was like, all right, I can work this off of one sentence. What the, Naga pools. Yeah, sure. I can run that for several sessions. Um, yeah, excellent. Just straight off the cuff. It was <laughs> difficult, but thrilling, I think, which is what I like about like the improvisation off the top of the head kind of gameplay is that it's really exciting to me. Yeah. Oh, so where was it you decided that you wanted to start writing your own content and putting your own games out there as a side to just play it? <laughs> so I... I I've wanted to be a writer from a very young age, um, but could never have tried. I think I've got what, 20 to 100 first chapters of novels that I've tried to do, (laughs) but they don't hold my interest in the Mm -hmm. same way as coming up with things that people are actually going to interact with. So I went through starting out as wanting to be a writer to discovering that I quite like performing and stuff. I had quite a period as a stand-up comedian, uh, like very oh, really? low, very low. <laughs> level. Uh, don't Google, you won't find me. Um, <laughs> um, but like, and writing things out that people could immediately see and react to, as opposed to something that I slaved away on for years and then maybe one day would get released, just really caught my imagination and my interest and just provided me with like a feedback that I needed. So as I've gone through like later into life, I'm like, right, how do I, what do I want to do? How do I want to make this my career and stuff? Well, they say do what you love, right? And what I spend all my hobby time doing is playing and running games. And I'm quite good at it. So I take that sort of performative aspect and work out how I do that. And then I want to give people like rules, (laughs) sort of rules and guidance on how to do that thing because it's really fun. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, we're, we're coming close to time. Could you tell the listeners where they could check out your work and pick it up? And of course, they're on Kickstarter right now. They can go back. Uh, it should be out when this drops, but only for maybe two weeks or so. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe two weeks, maybe one week. Um, but even after it's finished on Kickstarter, if you're like way in the future listening to this, uh, it will be on my itch page with Vivid Worlds on itch. Uh, you can find me at T underscore Ceranic. That's S-A-R-A-N-I-C on Twitter. And also a thing that definitely existed before this morning and I realized I needed it, vividworlds.co.uk, our website. Oh, nice. Excellent. Excellent. If you should shoot me links to those, we'll make sure we got them in the show Absolutely. notes for people. 
Uh, so check out the show notes. You should be able to find the Kickstarter there. If you've enjoyed what you've heard here today, please give us a positive review wherever you're listening. You can find us on Facebook, search Wobblies and Wizards. Wobbliesandwizards.com is our blog. I'm on Twitter at LogarHaleCrom. We're on Patreon. We can really use support. Patreon.com backslash Wobblies and Wizards. And as always, keep those dice rolling.